You're listening to the Hard Hedge, UVA's only independent basketball podcast hosted by two guys, one of whom happens to be a fake coach. Fake coach. Get up out your seat, you can have my drink, let me see you dance. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Pittman and Phony Bennett. When the sun falls, the sun falls, then the moonlights, Go, 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 go. Wahoo and thanks for tuning in to the Hard Hedge. My fake name is Phony Bennett, and tonight we're in for something a little bit different. First and foremost, i got to point out Mike Pittman, uh, a.k.a. at Wahoo Basketball. He normally opens the show for us. He's not available tonight. He won't be here. He will be back, rest assured, for the next episode. But tonight, it's just me and our very special guest. So tonight's episode is going to be a little bit different than our normal episode. We are, of course, first and foremost, a UVA basketball podcast. However, if UVA basketball is my first love, then I have to say that UVA football is the girl that I've always had a crush on and secretly wondered why she didn't go to more bowl games. So that's a terrible analogy, but it does introduce the fact that this is our very first very special football episode. I'm, of course, not going to make you listen to just me tonight. That would suck. Instead, we have Two fabulous guests, both who are alums of the UVA football program, and they're going to help us preview the season and take a look at the program as a whole and where we stand. Uh, First guest tonight, he played from 2009 to 2012, where he saw action in dozens of games at the tight end position, including 10 starts in his senior year. Please welcome to the Hard Hedge, Paul Friedman. Paul, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here, man. I'm just, uh, I'm glad that you went with the bigger name and the person that the fans are going to be happier to hear from tonight first. As opposed to putting me second. You know, I, I think I may have followed you on Twitter before, Luke. Uh, I mean, honestly, I, I'd be shocked if you didn't. <laughs> well, let, let's talk about the, the other guest, too. We should introduce him. Uh, he's a 2014 graduate. He started every game in his last three years. I believe he played both of the offensive guard positions as well as center. And these days, he is the center for the Jacksonville Jaguars of the, let's see, the National Football League. And uh, we are happy to have Luke Blanco joining us today. Luke, what's up? What's going on, Phony? We call you Phony? That's phony? fine, man. That's, uh, it, it sounds weird. Like, when I texted you guys, it was so weird to type out, this is Phony, because, <laughs> like, it's on Twitter, it, it doesn't seem as weird, but anything outside of Twitter just uh, just makes me realize how ridiculous it all is. But uh, uh, <laughs> glad you guys are here. You know, I should I should tell our fans, I'm not sure what to expect tonight uh when i first asked luke to do it he agreed on the one condition that he could spend the first 20 minutes slagging jake mcgee so uh uh luke did you have anything you wanted to say about jake i just listen you know jake's my guy but he's a turncloak he's a traitor now he's down here in florida trying to reinvent himself and uh you know it's it's one of those things you you you're up on the big screen you're talking about always being a wahoo and he can't say that because he's a traitor I just feel like we're in for a 50-minute funeral of Jake McGee on social media right now. <laughs> Fewest listens ever. <laughs> People are hanging up as we speak. Uh, uh, no, but that's awesome. Like, Jake, he seems like a really good guy on Twitter. He's still wearing UVA colors, so, you know, he's got that going for him. Exactly. He got his degree. He, he, he can be called a Wahoo. He got his degree. Oh, there you go. And, and look, i got to ask you, you and Paul, uh, you, you guys are obviously uh, good friends. Does it drive a wedge between you when people refer to Paul's position as a skill position? Listen, I've always said that I'm a, I'm a big, skilled player. You know, it's like 
we all have different skills, and trust me, Paul's like not far from being an offensive lineman. Never has been, never will be. I mean, I, actually, I he's think probably closer now than he was back then. I think I was an offensive lineman. <laughs> yeah, you had a lineman's hands, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So he, Luke, Luke he can appreciate Jake. Luke can appreciate me him me being called a big skill because he got a YouTube sensation out of it when I was wearing his jersey on one of the last practices of my last season. So he's he has to be on board with me being called a skill player. Or a big skill player. Honestly, I don't know what you're talking about. That was me who caught that touchdown in practice. I had this. I had the 88 on or the 70 exactly. on. It was me. Exactly. Have you ever caught a touchdown in competition, Luke? Or not caught a touchdown, but uh, uh, you know, <laughs> I played tight end when I was a freshman in high school. I didn't really play football growing up, but I played tight end when I was a freshman in high school. In the last game of the year, my coach said, "If you score a touchdown, I'll buy you a hot dog during the game." And I got tackled on the one-yard line, never scored a touchdown. I think I had, like, 15 or 16 guys taking me down. Like, I, you know, it was, like, one of those things at, I wouldn't be denied. But they had guys coming off the bench to tackle me. It was bananas. Uh, so, no, I never scored a touchdown. Never, probably never will unless I fall on a fumble or something. But all, yeah. all you had to do to get your answer was here freshman year of high school and then Google image a picture of him as freshman year of high school to see that he never scored a touchdown. <laughs> oh. <laughs> We'll have to look at, up that after the show. If I can find one, I'll make it the icon uh, for the episode. All right, so we're, we're here to talk about this this season of football, but I want to ask him because Luke said something on, on Twitter last year that I, I still uh, remember. I think it was during our first game of the season, and we were struggling, or it was one of the early games, and, and the, the football team was struggling. And Luke types, so this is what Twitter is like during a Virginia game. And, and it kind of struck me that you guys have to go from being – players to to being fans and and listening to people like me give our opinions on what's happening on the field what is that transition like for you guys uh, let's start with paul oh man that's a good question it, it, it really is so different especially for me because uh i was living in a house of nine that i think essentially maybe maybe seven of them were still playing so i was super super emotionally invested even more so than just being an alumni and obviously caring about the team, it was like seven of my best friends out there. And it, it is weird because a lot of the stuff that happens throughout the game and transpires like doesn't really register until the game's over when you really start thinking about it and it slows down. But when you're watching it on TV, your perspective is like play by play. I'm checking Twitter, overreacting at every single little thing. Like I feel like the emotions are just like they're, they're heightened so much more when you are able to kind of think and just watch between every play instead of just being a part of it. I mean, you really don't get to get, like, emotional about it until after the game. What about you, Luke? What are, what are, I mean, to to go to, to listen to people criticizing the product that's on the field and recognizing that they probably did the same uh, at, at times when you were on the field. I mean, oh, yeah. what's, uh, what, what does that do to your psyche? I mean, do you want to stay on Twitter during the games, or do you, do you just want to get off? Oh, I mean, now, like Paul said, when especially as you grow older and you start to lose – um, that those personal relationships. So it's really you're just rooting for the saber. Obviously, you respect yeah. the kids. You know what they've been through. But man, like I, it's like at times you find yourself really, you know, holding down, trying not to join everyone. Else. <laughs> yeah, seriously, you know, going crazy on them because you know what's going on. You kind of respect it, but it is maddening. I mean, it's maddening. And the one thing I can say about Paul and also my parents and you guys that sit in the stands that watch some of these games, it's Unreal, because Paul I know came back and watched some of my games when I was a senior, uh, and I know you guys and a lot of the listeners probably you know sat through more football games than they probably should have, or you know than yeah. we you know given them. But 
Man, I, like I have a great respect for some of like, I have a great respect for some of you guys. I legitimately think that it might be more tiring watching a UVA game on TV or <laughs> than it is actually playing in it emotionally, at least. And you're yeah. talking to two. Well, I think I've changed a little, but you're talking to at least still one current, very dramatic sword fan in Luke when it comes to the Orioles and Caps. And I mean, like it's it's allowed for a different perspective now that we've seen the other side of it. And I mean, I used to get so emotionally <laughs> wound up before games as a fan and everything like that. So I'm still trying to detach myself, but it's a lot harder now that I'm playing to not get emotionally riled up. Yeah, that's got to be where I mean, I know how emotionally invested I, I get in the team. And it's like with with football, I swear every year I'm like, okay, this year I'm not going to get emotionally invested. You know what? I'm yeah. just going to have that detached observer. And then that first game, I'm sitting there on the edge of my seat, like like doing my best not to type, you know, tweet things that I'm going to regret uh, in, in two minutes. And um, I, I just can't imagine what it's like for you guys to do that. Yeah. I mean, you can ask Luke, too, because even with baseball and basketball, it's like, I was trying to not be emotionally invested, and then it's like they're starting to slowly get me emotionally invested, and then by the end of it, it's like I feel like they're about to blow this now that I care. Like the, it, before, <laughs> before when I before when I wasn't like was trying not to care, it wasn't going to happen. But now that I'm starting to care, it's going to completely fall on my face. <laughs> oh yeah, the baseball team, man, that was such an incredible run. I know you guys were on Twitter during all that because, like, I, I was expecting them to to stumble at each step because they struggled this year, and and it was like I, I'm just. Every game I was prepared, like, okay, well, this is it. This is when reality yeah, comes crashing. It is Virginia sports, which we all <laughs> have, but we all root for the same. We play for the same teams. We root for the same teams. I mean, it just seems like when you're in that downhill spiral that is inevitable, it's going to happen. And when, you know, we have, what, three men's championships this year? Yeah. When that happens, you're, like, pinching yourself. Like, what yeah. the hell did we do to deserve this? It was awesome. Yeah, and, and especially baseball because it seems just so unlikely. I mean, I keep, I've I've gotten into it just the last few years. Of, of course, Coach O'Connor. I mean, he's he's had him at the the series a few times. And last year, I think we were the best team there, and we didn't win. So the the kind of unpredictable nature. I, I just I still can't believe those guys actually went out there and did that. That was incredible. It's awesome. All right, so let's let's get back to football and, and talk about this season. I've uh, I've long contended that if we played Duke's out of conference schedule. Uh, we'd be going to bowl games every year. Uh, we, we're getting just enough conference wins. If if we had some of those easier wins out of conference, I think people would have a very different uh, take on this team. But uh, this year, again, we, we've got that, that tough opening. We open at UCLA, and then we're hosting Notre Dame, Lehman Mary, and then Boise State. You guys as players, what would you rather see? Do you want to play against the, the best teams in the nation? I mean, are you like, yeah, I want Alabama, I want Ohio State? Or would you like to see some some games that you had a, a better chance of winning in, in the hopes of getting a bowl game down the road? Yeah, I mean, this is like one of those topics that even came up at times when we were playing still when I think we dropped, or dropped Texas San Antonio to pick up Oregon. Or I don't know what exactly happened, but it's one of those things where as a coach and a player, yeah, you want to play the best. And you don't want to be like, well, I just want an easy win like or in any competition. But – when you really step back and look at it, it's one of the, like, especially in college when you're dealing with 18 year old athletes, when you like, when you win four games in a row, it, you don't even remember who you beat that first game. Like, <laughs> exactly. You just remember, you're like, four, oh shoot, we're 4 0. Like now we play Georgia Tech. Like we're pretty good. You might not even be good. You might get killed. But at that point in the season, you're like, I could, we could play with anybody. And you just build confidence as opposed to like losing barely to UCLA and then like, beating William Mary and then you know and then next thing you know you're like three and two and you're like shoot we need to win three more games and it just becomes like 
It's mentally, it's just way different. Yeah, right. it's re- it's really funny you asked this question because I was just talking to one of my friends that, that played at another school about this, and I think the perspective definitely changes whether you're when you're playing or like now is just an alumni that wants to see the program do well and everyone that you you know were involved with, coaches, all that stuff do well over there. I think now looking at it, my opinion is I'd much rather have fans in the stands towards ACC play and towards the end of the year because we're competing for a bowl or you know competing for the like the division championship or our side of the conference, as opposed to having fans at one game that we play poorly in like, you know, week one or two. Um, I, know, I, I just, I think that it, it makes a lot more sense, like Luke was saying, to build up to it than it is. And I mean, it, you're right. It's been Duke's model. He's, he's complete, like they've completely done that over there where they take the wins and they're still quality opponents. It's not like they're just like awful opponents. They're still getting better, but they're not playing the, you know, top 25 programs out of conference. Right, it's like Temple or Tulsa or, yeah. or Phoenix Online. Uh, <laughs> South Harmon Institute Technology. <laughs> <laughs> the the power schools. Yes. Uh, yes. All right, so that's that's interesting because I mean that's it, it's kind of funny because it sounds like you guys, as you get further away from the program, you just you become fans. I mean because this is what what the fans are saying, but I can definitely see that. Uh, that perspective. So, so let me let me ask you this because you you'll see me do this a, a lot on on Twitter, and that is question our offensive play calling. Uh, oh. My my viewpoint on this, my my I'm not a football guy viewpoint is that we don't have a playbook, we have a play pamphlet, and yes. every every uh, series I, I expect two runs up the middle, a screen pass, and a punt. Um, you know, I've been openly critical of Fairchild. I've been more critical of him than, than anybody involved uh, with the program. So, so for you guys, I have two questions. We'll, we'll start with Luke on this. What is your view on Fairchild's play calling? And two, do neophytes like myself have any business questioning the calls he's making? <laughs> well, look, I mean, I will say this, first of all. When we had Bill Lazor, he's one of the most respected guys in the NFL right Absolutely. now. He's with, uh, with uh, Miami and um what we had with him was it was a pro style offense and it was very intricate and we did a lot of things that made sense. And I only got one year under Coach Fairchild. And, you know, from all accord, it's tough when you're in the first year in offense. You're just trying to get guys acclimated. So I can only speak to what, you know, I was there for. Um, it seemed like, it seemed like they wanted to do things that, that the players could do. They didn't want to like force, you know, force feed us stuff that our roster wasn't built for. Uh, and at the time, like, you know, it's frustrating for players too. You're like, Always want to, especially as an offensive lineman, you just want to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Um, but college football and everything else is a quarterback, you know, it's a quarterback-driven system. So a lot of it drives around the, the passing game. And at times I think that was inconsistent, whether it was due to, you know, routes or protection or the actual quarterback play, quarterback play. So it, it shrinks a playbook a lot when you're not able to bail yourself. When you're in third and long 50% of the time, it's really hard for a play caller to be, you know, held accountable to uh, diversify his playbook because they don't have plays that do that kind of stuff. Right. So it really it, a lot. And this is what I and this is you know what I'll say is a lot of things go into play calling. A lot of things that I really don't even understand. But it's first down and second down that determines third down. So if you're not having success on first down, it's hard to question a draw call on third down because that's not they don't have a play for third and eight. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, it's tough. It's tough to criticize from that point. But but does that limited playbook make it easier on the defense as well? I mean, the, if there's not as many looks that they have to prepare for, I mean, it, it's a, it seems like a double edged sword to me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And 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 when the defense can 
prepare for – that's what's so difficult about Georgia Tech. But when they get in those long breaks, teams can really focus in on how to play them. It's like the seven-day break in between. Right. That's really tough to stop that. Uh, when you get when you get tendencies and all that stuff on on offenses or defenses, I mean it's tough to succeed. And yeah. you know when you're putting yourselves in when you don't succeed on first and second down, and teams can see what you your go to plays on third down. Like teams probably only have four plays that they run from third and eight. And if you're in third and eight a whole lot, they can kind of key in on those things and they can uh, make it pretty tough on you. Yeah, I think I think to echo the word that Luke said at the end there was tendencies. And obviously I'm coming with the new offense from more of just a fan's perspective because I didn't play a year under the new offensive scheme. But um, I think that from a fan perspective, just strictly watching on TV that uh, – and, and this is obviously coming from like I really enjoy the X's and O's of football. I thought Coach Laser's offense was awesome. I mean, it was incredible. It was, it's identical to a pro-style offense that, that you'll see out there, whether it's like the Cowboys or the, the Redskins. They're all running the same type of stuff. But – I think we did have a, we've had a lot of tendencies the last two years, whether it was the short screen pass to the short side of the field or running the same type of running plays from the same type of looks. I mean, I, I could pick up on a lot of tendencies, I thought. So, um, I think, I think some of it honestly is warranted from just a strictly angry fan on the couch that's putting on weight at an exorbitant pace like I am myself. I thought that it was definitely. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, because for me, like as a fan, like you are so helpless. Like you, yeah. you, you can't do anything to affect it. And, and if you're watching on TV, you're not even at the game, so you can't even pretend that you're cheering is somehow having an impact yeah. on how hard that guy <laughs> runs. Uh, and so it's like, you know, you just you just want to kind of lash out. And um, that's the one thing that I, I just feel like I'm constantly uh, going But Luke at. is right. Luke is right. There's There's like more that goes into it. Than just you know, oh my gosh, why are you running the same plays over and over? But I thought we definitely had some tendencies that I hope that we don't see next year. Now that we have no question of the quarterback, it's the third year with this offensive scheme, all that type of stuff coming in. Their own players are starting to play a little more for this scheme, so hopefully we see a little bit less from like a tendency standpoint. No, that makes sense, and 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 you you bring up a good point. No, no question. At the quarterback. Um, I, I think Mike London has coached 61 games since he's been here. And if, if I did my math right, he's had 63 starting quarterbacks, uh, which, which I know, right? <laughs> yeah, so math, math wasn't my strong suit. I was liberal arts. Uh, so Grayson Lambert transferred this year, which is the annual tradition. The guy who starts uh, transfers out in the offseason. And uh, now we have – what seems to be a very stable starting quarterback. I mean, we've, we, we've got Turtle back there lurking because he transferred and, and then untransferred, which I've never seen before. Uh, uh, but but I feel like Matt Johns is, okay, he's the guy. So so do you guys, what do you think? Is, is Matt Johns the, the guy to lead this team? And do you think this coaching staff is going to let Matt Johns be the guy to lead this team? I mean, I, I definitely think that it's it's finally, whether it's fallen into the lap or whether it was, you know, coerced by the coaching staff and the team and everything, whichever way it's happened, I definitely think that Matt Johns, like, has the full, complete reign of the team and he's the guy, no doubt, which, I mean, that, that that's going to go miles this whole offseason. It's going to go miles for Matt's own development, and, and, like, for himself as well. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I mean, literally, since I've really cared about UVA football coming in from an, as an out-of-state recruit, uh, this is the first off season that you can say without a shadow of a doubt, you know, who the starting quarterback is going to be. So um, it's definitely an exciting time. I'm pumped for Matt too because he deserves it. He's he's worked his uh, his butt off to get there too. Yeah, and he had a lot of good appearances last year. I mean, he yeah. was. Uh, uh, I mean, from the, I think the very first game of the season, right? He he was in like, here's your starting quarterback, and now on second down is Matt Johns. <laughs> uh, 
So, so what do you what do you think, Luke? How, how are we going to do at quarterback this year? Yeah, I'm so team Matt Johns. And and the funny thing is, a lot of uh, you can go out to some of these camps, man, and you'll see Gids throw, and you'll be like, dang, he can really spin it. You know, he'll be a great quarterback. But so much of that position is the it the it factor, yeah. just being like, you know, having that swagger of like. I might throw a pick, but I might throw a touchdown, and it'll be <laughs> like it'll be sweet either way. Yeah. Uh, it's like a Manziel feel to it, almost. Yeah, exactly. And I think Matt has a little bit of that flair, and it should be fun to watch him play because you know a lot of players, a lot of coaches are like they kind of force quarterbacks into being leaders. But Matt's one of those you know likable guys that I think people would just rally around. You know, yep. whether you know for better or for worse, I think uh, I think they'll rally around him, and he'll have a heck of a year. It should be fun to watch. Yeah, that that first game last year when when he came in, and I'm sure you're not expecting him to come in like the second quarter of the first game of the year when you're the backup. But they they did a couple close ups on him on the field, and he just looked so calm and in control. Like he he looked like he was laughing, like he was just comfortable to be out there. And and it just kind of struck me that okay, this this guy's not going to get overwhelmed by the moment. No, yeah, he came in, he's clapping, he's jumping up and down, cheering and. You know, sometimes obviously that can maybe be a negative, but shoot, we're not playing golf. Like, have fun. Like, go crazy. Get pissed yeah. off if you do bad. Don't be a robot. Like, people buy into that. And even if they don't, like, subjectively or, or like, even if they're not like, wow, Matt's doing that. Like, that's cool. I'm going to start doing that. It's one of those things where, like, if someone's having a good time, you're like, you're going to have a better time. And then it just snowballs and then you win a couple games and we're going yeah. bowling for the first time in 25 years. So shit, yeah. it could be fun. I mean, from a for me with Matt Johns, obviously, I really only remember him as like a a far younger quarterback who really knew he wasn't going to be seeing the field anytime soon. But I, if I could imagine him in the locker room before a game, I'm going to guess that he's the personality that you can't tell that it's Saturday before a game or whether it's Tuesday after practice in the locker room or Saturday after the game at night. He's going to have the same type of you know fun loving personality and just have fun out there and have fun in the locker room before the game too. That's awesome. And can I just say, because Saturday before the game reminded me, Saturday football game days were my favorite days at UVA, year after year. That excitement when you have a home game, like you get up and, and you know the whole day is just going to be devoted to football. I mean, you guys obviously had a very different perspective. Yeah, driving through driving through the campus, um, or excuse me, driving through grounds, from Darden, yeah. where How we stayed Friday nights, uh, and seeing, you know, in the big game, seeing all the people out tailgating, cheering us on as we drove by, those, that gives you goosebumps. And when you get to see, like, when we, and I know it's tough when you're not winning, but when, when that, and this is like one of my, I don't want to say regrets, but one of my biggest, like, letdowns was Paul's senior year. I think we played, no, I don't remember. The year we played Tech, 2000, when it really mattered, when we were My going. junior year. If, yeah, if we, and if we won, we went to the Coastal, and that place is sold out, and we got our asses kicked. <laughs> that, that, that Wahoo walk was awesome. Yeah, and that halftime, you're just sitting there. I don't remember. At some point during the game, you're like, damn it. Like, you know, it's like a moment when you, like, feel like you can seize it and, like, really grow, like build something out of it, and it slips through your fingers and fans are going crazy, but we're going way crazier. And, oh man, you look back at that. And, and if you win that game and you know, whatever happens, happens. And you look down the road at this point, you might be playing a UCLA and 
Notre Dame and all that and be like, yeah, this is where this is where we're at. So it it, yeah. it, it just changes everything. Man, it drives me crazy this day. Off the Wahoo Walk too. I feel like that's one thing that I don't know like how well publicized it is or what, but it, it caught wind like for that game in particular. But that was always something that was awesome just to on a Saturday see the family, like the, you know, the parents, I mean, especially his family, my family. A lot of our friends, they were there every single game, and that was always like a fun little tradition. I wish, I wish that got a little more publicity from the team itself and then from the fans itself, because that was always something fun coming into the stadium. Because there's always fans around, but it's like the walk itself wasn't that publicized. Yeah, it's it's weird how much a, a game just like gets everyone well excited beforehand, and then depending on the result, I mean the yeah. the mood of the entire town changes. Yeah, shoot, I remember one the one year 2011, we beat like Idaho in overtime. We ended up going one oh eleven. We yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. But we're out like buying beer after the game, <laughs> and we had some like people ride by, go like like hell yeah, like great game, like let's go. <laughs> I was like, Idaho in overtime on some, like, miracles. Yeah, it's just like people are still happy. They don't really care. They're like, let's just get drunk and watch our team hopefully win. <laughs> right. Well, that's how you know. The fans don't care about the opponent. I mean, yeah, if you beat a good opponent, it, it matters more than beating a bad opponent. But a, a win is is still better than any loss. Yeah, just, just get six of them. Yeah. Yeah, that year is a great example, actually, of that because we beat – Indiana, who ended up being one and eleven, and we beat Idaho, who ended up being one and eleven. Won what eight, seven, eight games? I mean, shoot, that was a great year, right? Yeah. <laughs> no one really, no one remembers that those teams won two games uh, combined. They just one thing I will say about the scheduling, though, we were known for scheduling some like awful programs that turned into like eight and four BCS Buster, like win the bowl the year before we play them even though we scheduled them six years ago when they were 0-12. So, like, we, we were kind of, like, the beneficiaries of, like, a Louisiana Tech coming on. Um, when we scheduled them, they were probably one of, like, the worst teams in the country. And then what, the yeah. year before they, we played them, they're, like, 8-4 and four and won the Sun Bowl or whatever it was. Yeah. You, you had a touchdown against Louisiana Tech, didn't you? Uh, no, I don't think it was Louisiana Tech. I don't think. I just remember Southern Miss did that to us. The next year, their coach left, and the next he's in North Carolina. The next year, they were terrible. Yeah. Then Louisiana exactly. Tech, and then Ball State did the same thing. It's like every year, the easy games end up being like freaking yeah. teams. You're like, what the hell? All right, just just to prove I'm not crazy, 2012 caught one pass for a touchdown against Louisiana Tech. It's on your bio, Paul. That's yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I forgot. I was thinking uh, <laughs> he caught so he many. got so many. <laughs> yeah, they they really all all run together. Like whether it was like me or McGee catching and me blocking for him. Like I mean, they all run together. <laughs> touchdown, Friedman out there. Can't yeah. even remember all of them. Like every single one of Jake McGee's touchdowns should be a point five, and I should have like <laughs> five point five career touchdowns. <laughs> Look, weren't you looking at McGee's stats and you saw like the low number of touchdowns that he acted like he had triple of? Like, what was the number? Oh, I mean, like he's going to be that guy sitting around telling his grandkids about all the freaking touchdowns he had. Yeah, but they're all one handed, so they count double. They're all one handed, exactly. Right? He makes them count. Yeah, like six of them, or you know, whatever. If you want to go back in the archive and look at his chances he had the year we were good, though, well, I mean, there was a couple of plays where he was like jammed until like the sideline by a line. <laughs> I mean, he was like tattooed on the bench. <laughs> He's in the locker room, and a guy's still got both hands on him. Oh yeah, God, I love that kid. <laughs> I miss. Him. I mean, he was he was a fun. Fun player, and he's he's a funny guy on Twitter too. Yeah. Um, all right, so so let's let's talk about Mike London. Um, you guys both played for him. 
I, I'm a personally a huge fan of Mike London. I don't think anyone will be happier than than me or, or maybe a few people. But if they succeed this year, if, if he holds on to his job, I love what he's done with, with how the program is in the community. With uh, I mean, our, our players don't get in trouble. Our players are graduating. Um, but obviously, the on the field results matter as well, and and that's where uh, things haven't been uh, quite as rosy. What's your take on? Him heading into the season, can he save his job? Because, I mean, I think we can all agree that his, his job is in jeopardy right now. Um, where, where do you see this going for him? Go, go ahead, Luke. Don't, don't bother you talk at once. <laughs> uh, I'm rooting for him. I mean, he, he gave I, – obviously, I was recruited by Grow, and uh, he gave me a chance to – but, you know, London, London did a lot for me while I was there. and He's a great guy, uh, family guy. Uh, man of faith, and he, I think he deserves to, uh, have a, have a winner there, cause he does, you're right, he does really care about his players, and it shows when, when they're all doing well in school, they stay out of trouble, all that stuff, and, um, I think, I think what he, what, what would benefit him is some stability at the quarterback position. Definitely. Uh, I can't say he's completely blameless of some of the things that have happened, but not even I know of everything that, you know, went on behind closed doors. Uh, with you know some of the guys, so I can't I can't really speak to that. I also think it might be a little late in his tenure, but I think there could have been a little more back, you know, a little more uh, uh, I don't know how to say it, but a little more support from the administration for football. There's a lot of sports doing really well at UVA, and it's awesome. But uh, there's some things that the football program isn't getting that other schools of their caliber are getting. And, and recruits see that, and they see it, and they kind of, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, UVA is a great school, but I get this at this school, so why, you know, and, and you lose recruits, and all that stuff happens. So um, I'm rooting for him, and and it, and, it, and the only thing that can help what I just said is winning, and so hope he wins, and you know, players get what they deserve, and he gets what he deserves. Yeah, I don't think anyone that that really interacted with him could root against him, because I mean, like you said, he's doing everything else from a standpoint of produce uh, besides producing on the field. Really, really well. So that is the reason why I think he definitely does have a chance to turn it around still because it's not like he needs to write a bunch of different ships. Um, there's just some things that on the field obviously need to be cleaned up. Um, and I mean, I think everyone would acknowledge that it's getting a little more pressing time frame wise as well. But I mean, I'm, I'm 100% rooting for him and I don't think anyone that played underneath him would be rooting against him. Did, did you guys know he actually used to be a cop? Oh yeah, I don't know. We've, no. heard, it. <laughs> We've heard it all. <laughs> yeah, you heard that? I actually because of of course they can't talk about Mike London on TV without mentioning that. I actually mentioned it. He followed me for a long time, which was I thought was very cool. And one time I, I made a joke about how he used to be a cop just because it's the usual thing, and he unfollowed me. So <laughs> that's that's my Mike London story. But I'm I'm well, cheering for him. If, if if Mike London actually runs his own Twitter, well. I don't think he knows what Twitter is, so I, that I might, I might be breaking some laws here, but I don't know if that's funny. <laughs> uh, you know, and I thought I, I think he's kind of gotten the the shaft here in regards to the staff because I don't know that he's had say over you know who his coordinators are and and like getting rid of Bill Lazor. I don't know that 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 was his decision. Yep. You guys can probably speak better to that, but um, I, I felt like Lazor was kind of the sacrificial lamb because they needed to make a change. Um, yeah, I, and, I would I would echo that as well. Yeah, I think there's a lot to that. A lot, like I said, there's a lot that goes on above coach that uh, 
you know, maybe maybe he needs to strong arm, but again, without being in that situation, it's hard to talk about those kind of politics. But um, I think a lot a lot of decisions are made above his head that uh, he doesn't really have a chance to impact. That kind of uh, I don't want to say set the program back, but it makes it difficult. Yeah, hopefully, if 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 and when it does turn around, hopefully he's the one to get the credit for it too. If he's getting the backlash for it. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see it. I mean, I think, I mean, looking at, they, they've got a very difficult schedule, but I mean, they've got a chance. They, they almost got to the bowl game last year. That was, exactly. that was so brutal. I mean, getting so close. What, two minutes left in the game? Um, oh, so cool. I, I, I can't do that. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so look, I'm, I, I'm going to give Luke a chance to, uh, to, to step on a very small soapbox here. A lot, a lot of season ticket holders are dropping their season tickets because of how the team has been doing. A lot of fans, are not going to the games because they say this is how you vote. You vote with your dollars. You you withhold support from the program. That's how you get the administration to take notice and, and make whatever changes they think need to be made. You've spoken out about that, Luke, as far as you know, s- support the players. And and for, for me to to see people turn their back on the on the players. I mean, look, London's still getting his two million or or whatever. You know, whether you guys win or lose, but you know, for for the players, I I think that support's important. What's uh what's your take on on that, Luke, with people? voting with their dollars yeah i mean it's so hard to argue with them because the product when the product isn't good it's hard it's hard to sit through it and like i said earlier like my parents are saints because they did sit through they still yeah. sit through some of it i mean they're like they're they're sent from heaven uh because some of it i like it's unbearable i understand um my my big thing is the booing it just really pisses me off because those like if you're gonna go to the game, just go. It just if you're gonna boo, stay home. I remember one game against Ball State. I was sitting on the bench, and there's a guy back behind us. Like, I, I'm in the military. Like, I took my day off to come watch this crap, and I'm like, <laughs> like then leave. I was like, right. just go. Like, I would rather play in front of zero people than a, a five fifty thousand booing us at halftime. You know, yeah. sort of, and and I understand because I grew up a. Uh, uh, a Caps fan, a Skins fan, a uh, Orioles fan. A lot of those teams haven't been very good over the years, and I wasn't I wasn't filling up the seats to say when they weren't doing well. So I understand, and I'm with you. But hold the boobers. These kids are working their asses off, and a lot of things they don't have they don't have a lot of say in it. So uh, yeah. if you're just gonna don't, just don't be there, don't be there when it gets better either. Because <laughs> like if you're not gonna be there when when it's tough, don't be there when it gets better either. I mean, there's. Nothing good is coming from when, you know, I'll use Mike Rocco because he's a friend so I can trash talk him. But when he's running back out there and, you know, he's getting booed as he's going back out there, that's not helping a 19 or 20 year old dude trying to do well that's been putting in the same type of work that the players who are up for the Heisman are putting in. So let's, let's talk about the, this season outlook. Uh, for this season. You guys, hopefully, um, I, I did ask you to review our, our two deep uh, roster. You guys familiarize yourself with that? Yes. Yep. <laughs> Paul's not afraid to lie. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> I have uh, it up. Right, I have it up right now on my computer. So, yeah, I'm, I'm actually. I haven't just reviewed it. I'm reviewing it. Yeah, I'm not actually going to ask you questions about it. I just wanted to <laughs> test your dedication. Uh, but hopefully, hopefully, you know who we're playing this year. What's your predicted record? I think Vegas has the over under at three and a half wins. You know, I take the over on that. Uh, I'm I'm always an optimist. Uh, how do you see us going this year? It's impossible to tell. I mean, you look at our schedule, and it is it is a it is brutal. I mean, I'm surprised the New England Patriots aren't on there, but uh, with, be- with or without Brady, because he might have to sit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. All right, so with with Brady, he'd be scheduled later in the year, right before Duke. Um, 
No, it's 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 tough to tell when you don't know what those teams are throwing out, you know, on the field. They, you could it's one of those things where you could go, you could have one of those Duke years where Duke decides to not be like going to uh, big bowl games. Um, but man, that's a gauntlet. I I think they get, I think they, I think they can get the six wins because that team, the team that we're putting out there this year is pretty pretty talented. They got uh, players at skill positions. I think that are finally growing into their. They got kids that were starting when I was there that are that are seniors now, like uh, like uh, Kanan. They got kids now that are experienced and they're playmakers, and they'll be able to make plays. That, and you know, hopefully, Matt Johns can, can get them the ball. So I think they're going to surprise people. It's college football, after all. It's not like it's not like a, a said and done deal. You got eighteen year olds impacting games, so you never know what the heck is going to happen. Yeah, I'd, I'd echo it. I will say from personal trauma, whenever Vegas sets a line. I'm normally scared that it's going to be anything further than like a half a game or like a half a point away because they know what they're doing when they set those lines. But I could easily see us like still making a bowl game. I mean, when you're in the ACC, it's literally complete madness. It should be like it is every other year, most of the years for us, where even if we are three and six at the time, we're still two games out of the lead in the Coastal. So, um, I, I mean, I, I have I have faith that we can get the six and make a bowl game, just even looking at some of the teams that we play. I mean, there's definitely a couple ones that I think are going to be easier games and a couple ones that are more difficult, but I think we can get six. All right, so, so what's going to be our most surprising win this season? Tech. And it won't be a surprise because by that time we'll be 11-0. and 0. You know, oh. Can we talk about tech? <laughs> I say tech as well. I, I literally say tech as well. Well, it, it it makes me mad because I, you know, they, they're they're people just you know crow about the decade of dominance and ten wins in a row. Or, or... Well, I had it today in Jacksonville. I had a, a guy talking about how there's been three graduating classes since we beat them, and I was oh. like, oh. Which which class did you go in that you beat Virginia? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, screw off, dude. And and he knows what you do for a living, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he was rubbing in my face. I was like, and I, I, I and you can ask Luke too because he's metal. But I I work with the guy when I especially when I was working at the DC office. I work with the guy who was a captain at Virginia Tech. Um, my my year, I guess it was his. He was a captain in his fourth and fifth year there. Joey Phillips, who was one of the fullback, or he was the fullback. And so I hear it literally all day, every day, about Virginia Tech and the streak and everything. And I, I know we got them. I mean, we should have had them last year. We're going to get them this year. There's no doubt about it. Man, I hope so. I mean, this is, you know, I'm at the point where I take 1-11. and 11. Like, I, just just to, to shut them up because it's the, well, it doesn't matter what happens in basketball. Yeah, you guys got three national championships this year, and we've never won one. We only won some kind of BS thing in bass fishing, but they and they they they'll cling to that. And the thing about like it, they're so insufferable. Like I don't like I never really hated. I mean, there's some guys on that team I didn't like that I played against in high school. I didn't really ever hate anyone. I hate some of their fans. Like I, oh man, they come up to me and I just want to freaking slap them in the face. Like they're insufferable. Like oh, are you gonna beat Tech this year? Like I don't know, dude. Are you going to get a free education for playing football? No, you're like 5'2", and you suck. Like, get out of my face. <laughs> Man, I just hate him. Fire me up, dude. Coming in as an out-of-stater, though, like, I didn't get the tech. Like, I wasn't on board with, like, the full tech hate just from the get-go like you are when you go to high school in the state. And, you know, half your friends are going to tech, half your friends are going to Virginia, whatever it may be. But I will say now, probably more than even when we played, like I still despise them just because of what Luke's saying. Like they're fans on Twitter, 
they're just they're so ignorant like with the fact that they like I mean a couple of these games have been literally 30 seconds left in the game poor decisions or bad luck where we've lost like this is this should not be 10 11 in a row or whatever it's been I know. So so many of them are so close, and they act like yeah, like the whole dominance thing. Like, yeah. Oh, we've beat you sixty to nothing every. No, there's there's games we should have won, but we were just dumb. <laughs> awesome. So so we're gonna go to a bowl. We're gonna beat Tech. Mike London's gonna save his job, and uh, there, there's gonna be a big parade. We all yeah. agreed. Yeah, parade down. Uh, Sign me up through the corner downtown. And at twelve fifty. And at twelve fifty, we'll <laughs> run back out our old house right on Wardland. We'll. Knock whoever's out of it for a two-day span. The the <laughs> university will rent it out for us and cover the lease. Before we get out of here, I want to give you guys uh, your your Twitter handles. Uh, we always do that. Paul, you are at Polly. Uh, that's Polly with a Y. Free eighty-eight. That's correct. And, uh, and I'm decreasing. Like at, like there's like two fans that realize they're still following. Like every like three months. Meanwhile, like. Luke's over here just, like, people think he's funny all of a sudden because he's in the NFL, so now he gets, like, 30 followers a week. So, like, I need all the help I can get. Aw. Well, so so follow Paul. Paul is, is very funny. Like I said, I think I followed Paul before I followed Luke. That was probably how I was first exposed to Luke. Uh, and, and and maybe that's a bad use of the word exposure, but 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 <laughs> <laughs> Luke exposed himself you, to Jared? me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Remember what I was saying? If you think of something that we have to edit out the next day, let me know. <laughs> oh, we can't say that. That today? stays, Luke. So far, I've been, I've been great. You, you have been. Uh, your, your Twitter handle is at elbow. That's L B O W seventy. Um, so, so seventy and eighty-eight. Those were your numbers. I know that's your number right now, Luke. Was that your number at UVA? That was my number at UVA. It was my number in high school. And, and you were 88, even when you, Paul? Even when you played tight end, or, or do we need to go back and check some facts? From uh, I had a couple numbers that year. I was, I think I was 88 at one point, and then I had to play one game at tackle because you know, I'm versatile. I'm like you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, guys, listen, I, I really appreciate having you on. Um, hopefully we can do this again as, as a bowl preview uh, sometime in December, maybe as we're, we're lining up to the national championship semifinal game. <laughs> who knows but but i thank you guys uh for for joining me and best of luck uh to both of you at, at your respective profession what do you do these days paul i am in like technical consulting so like staffing and recruiting for uh for tech companies i'm out in dallas okay excellent are you and you're are you a cowboys fan then do you have to be uh i don't really have to be a cowboys fan i'm still i'm still friendly with some of the guys that that I, when i had the short stint there that i was hanging out with but uh, my whole family is like Giants fans or like a lot of Redskins fans <coughs> that I hang out with. So I'm really not, not, not that, not that into the Cowboys, I'd say. But I, I support them like just because I know some of the people on the team. Is there no one else you root for? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm like, other than that, I'm just a huge fantasy football fan and I'm just happy that. <laughs> this is unbelievable. At the center position isn't a choice because then I would have to make some like, friend-changing decisions for my fantasy squad. <laughs> you have a center on your fantasy football team. <laughs> just just the, ever the optimist. Exactly. And, and also a shout-out to Billy Scrobex because he did draft me even after I was released uh, <laughs> first overall in our UVA football fantasy league two years ago. I think he still would if he could. That's awesome. That's awesome. Billy's very funny. He's not he, He's not really active on Twitter anymore. But uh, he, he's yeah, he grew up. Oh, 
Oh, I yeah. thought that was a good what a loser. That was a perfect <laughs> insert for like a girlfriend joke that I thought you were like gonna like jump on. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Luke, we know who your team is. I wish Paul did. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we will be cheering for the uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars this year. You know, hopefully, you guys you, you you win more games, and I'll actually be able to watch you guys on TV. Yeah, I actually do like the Jags. I mean, Austin Pastors on the Jags, and I mean, obviously we were pretty close to school too. So I'm, I'm I can root for the Jags because Austin and Roy Reynolds too. It's like, oh yeah, and Roy. I mean, yeah. You know, on behalf of of everyone who, who at least follows me, thank you guys for uh, you know for what what you did for the program, for what you continue to do as ambassadors to the program, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you guys. See ya. Awesome. Thanks.